0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, are you ready for the Word? So excited that you joined us today, and we're going to deal with the subject, the vastness of the love of God. The love of God. Today we need to give a definition of love. In the culture we live in, love is really defined more as a feeling, I fell in love with you, uh, a romantic kind of thing, and uh, sometimes even an erotic kind of thing, having to do with Sex, when you say, I want to make love, biblically speaking, there's no such thing as making love. Sex should be an expression of true love to one person. And so when we think about the love of God, we're not talking about some mystical feeling. We're talking about his nature, who he is. As a matter of fact, John the Apostle said in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. That is amazing. That means that love is the most important or primary characteristic of God when it comes to relating to creation. Of course, we can't compromise His holiness because righteousness and justice is the foundation of His throne. And so when He expresses His love, He never compromises His holiness and righteousness And that's why he had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die. He so loved the world, but he couldn't just bring us into his presence and into heaven without sin being dealt with. So there we see holiness and love working together with the sending of his son, Jesus. And so when we think about God's nature, the Bible tells us that he defines himself in Exodus chapter 33 and 34, as being good. His goodness is an attribute that has to do with the fact that there is no darkness in him, there's no evil, there's no evil intent. He never intentionally does harm to any of his creation or creatures. Uh, God is a good God and every good and perfect gift that comes from above is from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. God never changes. He doesn't give you his word one day, take it back the next day. He doesn't lie. He's always full of goodness. It tells us in Psalm 145 that God is good to all. And why am I talking about God's goodness? Because out of his goodness, an expression of that attribute is mercy or loving kindness and love. And so when we see loving kindness and we see mercy, we see that it's connected to the fact that God is good. Only a good being can love purely. And if somebody doesn't have a good heart, when they say, I love you, it means they're objectifying you. They want something from you. They want to use you. But when God says, I love you, he is not even thinking of himself so much as he is thinking of what you need. He doesn't need anything. So he's totally, purely thinking about what is best for you. And so the Bible describes God as good, and out of that goodness expressed is love. And in that love attribute is so profound, the Bible says God is love. And those of us who are Christ followers are called to love like God. And it tells us in Ephesians 5 that husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And then he describes what that meant. It didn't say anything about romance. It said, who gave himself, offered himself as a sacrifice. So when he was hanging on that cross, there wasn't any romantic feelings. He wasn't even that happy at that point, of course. But he was driven by an intense love which determined his actions, willing to give his life. And so when God said, to husbands to love their wife as Christ loved the church. He's saying to live a sacrificial life, not putting yourself first, loving your wife as your own body, nurturing and caring for her as God does the church, which is a profound illustration of the love of God. And so the Bible expects us in its admonitions, it it is there so that we can begin to love like God loves. So God's love is very practical, it's very life-giving, And it's very expressive. And in that love, there are feelings, there is strength, and there is emotional connection. But it can't be driven by what we would determine as or or describe as romance. And even in marriage, our marriage is not sustained by the feeling of love, i.e. romance. Our marriage is sustained by a commitment to one another based on covenant which then sustains the marriage and gives us opportunity to have grace and romance in the context of that marriage. And so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 on. And this chapter is framed with the section that talks about God as father uh, it says in Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so this is important because the Scripture also teaches us that when we believe in Christ, God becomes our Father. He's no longer a mere creator. Not that that's something to sneeze at, but He's not just a higher power or an impersonal creator to us. Now we are adopted as sons And we are now brought into his family. And so this chapter, from this point on, is dealing with the love of God. But we have to understand the love of God in the context of a father. And so any mother or father is going to love their children if they're normal. If they don't have any lack of natural affection in a normal situation, they love their children. They'll do anything. They'll die for their children. They provide for their children. Uh, they do uh, things that they would never think of in a million years when uh, uh, they didn't have children. Nobody could understand the love a father has to children unless they have children. And so you might get no sleep for three days when your child is born. You get up and change diapers. You wipe butts when they get a little bit older. All of this is not out of a feeling, but it's out of love. If you went by your feelings, you'd never get out of bed uh, to, to change a diaper or uh, to pick up and console a, a child that's screaming. And so the Father God in heaven is an even greater father, an even greater parent, which is why when Jesus told us to pray in Luke 11, he said, our Father who is in heaven, meaning he's distinguished from all earthly fathers, which is why Jesus said in Matthew 6, if you, talking to fathers, being evil, though how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to his children? And he begins to describe these good gifts later on in the chapter when he talks about how he provides for the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, and he says, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the things that we need will be provided just like he provides for the lilies of the field. In Psalm 104, he, uh, the, the, the psalmist describes God's love through his providential care of nature. Even watering the grass, uh, having the sun come up, having the moon come out at night. Uh, giving food for the lions and the cattle and uh, making sure the earth is operating is a form of God's love, an expression of God's love. Uh, and we see that providential care as a father over all creation. We see in Psalm 139 that God knows us even before we were born. When we were in our mother's womb, he was shaping and forming us. So God takes that particular care and concern for us. And uh, it's, it's funny when you have children and grandchildren, everybody's trying to guess who a child looks like. And if a child looks exactly like one of the parents, that parent has a special place in their heart for that child because it reminds them of them and maybe when they were growing up how they looked. And so the Bible tells us in Genesis 1:26 that humanity was made in God's image. And so we look like God. We're called to represent God. We're called to be like God, to creation, to have dominion over the created things, not over other people, but over the created things. And so that's why God has a special place in his heart for all of you who are listening to this message. And so with that as a backdrop, I want to go to Ephesians 3. And in the context of Ephesians 3, he's talking about how the church was called to reveal the wisdom of God to the powers, the invisible powers, uh, the demonic and angelic hosts, and also to the rulers of the earth. So God has called the church to reveal the wisdom of God. And then he segues into talking about how we should be, how we should act, what should motivate us based on going into who God is and especially his attribute of love. And so again, verse 14, he says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And that's interesting. So he is the Father God to everyone in heaven and on earth, which brings us into a collective of the saints who have gone before us, of the angels of God who are ever present and always with us, and in heaven and on earth, as well as the saints and the church on the earth. And so he's talking about how we're all together. So this, this is an epistle written to the collective body of Christ. Uh, and so if you isolate yourself, it's going to be very hard to experience everything I'm about to teach. And so he says that he's praying That according to the riches of God's glory, and God is not poor, God is not broke, that's amazing, the riches of His glory. He doesn't need to print money, He doesn't need inflation, He doesn't need our silver and gold, because everything belongs to Him. He created it, so out of the riches of His glory, which emanates out of His character and His being, He may grant to us to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner being. And so he's saying that for us to contain what is about to be spoken about, and which has to do with the love of God, he had to first increase our capacity. He had to strengthen us. That word strengthened in the original language has to do with giving us the ability. And so he strengthens us with power in our inner being through his spirit. And so we think about how the power of the Holy Ghost came in the day of Pentecost so we could preach the Gospels and do miracles. But we also have to understand that first and foremost, we need the ability and the power in our own spirit to be like God, to represent God, to love like God. And so he prayed that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being, in our spirit, in our heart. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we go back to verse 17. So we need strength and ability in our spirit so that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith. Now what that is teaching us is if we make room for the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost makes room for Christ. So when we yield to the Spirit, the Spirit then allows and enables Jesus to make his home with us. In the original language, to dwell with us. Is not just talking about coming and visiting. It's talking about making his home, making his abode with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us, being welcome, being part of our very nature in life. Jesus wants to live with us, not in some church building, not in some temple, but in us as the temple of God. That's profound. So make room for the Spirit And he will make room for Jesus, give us the capacity and the ability so that Jesus can live inside of us. It's beyond our ability. If we weren't born again, if we didn't have the Spirit of God, we wouldn't have the ability for Jesus to live inside of us. And so then he says, so that we may be rooted. That we may be rooted. I love that. Rooted and grounded in love. So the word rooted... uh, I I, I think about how the trees are able to go to a height based on how deep the roots are. So it has to do with being grounded, being centered. And we can't be grounded and centered in Christ without understanding and growing in his love. So that we may dwell with Christ. uh, He may dwell with us so we may be rooted and grounded in love. You're not rooted and grounded by mere intellect. You're not rooted and grounded just by memorizing scripture. You're not rooted and grounded just by listening to preachers, just by coming to church, uh, just by dropping money in the offering. You are only rooted and grounded uh, to the degree, to the extent, uh, commensurate to how much you understand and how much you grasp uh, the love of God for you and for His church. He says to be rooted and grounded. The word "grounded" has to be uh, has to do with being closely connected, has to do with being secure, has to do with being planted. It's like God planted you as His special vineyard. And he waters you, he takes care of you, he watches over you that 's what it means that you're actually grounded, you are planted by the Lord, and you're planted by the Lord in his love, and so beloved, you need to be secure in his love and if you 're not, he wants you to be secure. He wants you to know his love. You could even stop for a moment now and say, "God, I want your love. I want your love to be revealed to me." I, I could think of a, a, a just think of a story for example of a of a person who was stuck somewhere in the hills of upstate New York or Kentucky or somewhere in the world uh, and he was isolated and he didn't have running water. He didn't have access to pipes and he wasn't educated. His parents isolated him and he had no idea there was a such thing as running water or pipes or electricity. And he depended upon a shallow uh, well in his backyard And uh, if it didn't rain for a few weeks, he was afraid that he would uh, be thirsty and he would die and his, his whole family would die. And so he was depending on a daily sustenance of rainwater. And if it didn't rain for a few weeks, he was in big trouble. So he'd put that bucket in every day in that shallow well. And he would try to use that as a resource to water his uh, uh, house, uh, to hydrate them, to uh, help cook or feed his uh, family and to sustain his family. And one day someone happened to meet him And uh, they had a car, he was amazed, uh, and they saw what kind of way he was living, and that person said, hey, I want to take you somewhere. And so they got in his car, and they went for miles and miles and miles and miles, maybe six, eight hours away, and uh, he took him to a reservoir. And when the man, who was isolated, got out of the car and looked at the vast reservoir, with miles and miles and miles of water. He was in total shock. He never saw a body of water that large. He didn't even know it existed. And he said to the guy who took him there, what is this for? And that guy said, that's drinking water. That's to clean your house. That's to take care and provide for your family. That's enough water to last a year or longer, even if it didn't rain. And the guy was blown away. And he said, hey, you want to see something else? And he took him to another spot where there was a beach and he saw the vast oceans and the guy was blown away and the other man explained to him there are billions of fish, there are thousands of boats, there are cruise ships and he described what a cruise ship was. There are millions of people making a living off of this vast ocean and this guy was totally in shock. He had no idea there was anything more than a shallow well. That's how many people are in this world. In this world, you're getting by on a a, a paltry amount of, of love, of a little bit of love from your spouse, a little bit of love and affirmation on social media or for some friends, and you'd think that's all there is. But in this world, my beloved, you need more than that. You need the ocean of God's love. Uh, The love that we get from this world is, is, is like that little bucket of water we get every day from a shallow well. But Jesus said, you could drink of me and the water that I give you will never allow you to be thirsty. I have living waters, waters that never run out, waters that are so vast that you could never, ever plumb the depths of the fullness of that ocean of love. And so people who are listening to me today Need to understand there's so much more to God than you've ever experienced. There's so much more to love than you've ever known. As a matter of fact, a human being cannot, in and of himself or herself, ever reflect perfect love. They can only do it as they mimic God because God is love and He's our reference for love. And so He tells us that He wants us to be rooted and grounded in love so we could have the strength. Again, that word in the original language is to have the ability to what? To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Wow, that's a mouthful. So in order to comprehend the measurements of God's love, which I believe throughout eternity we'll be trying to plumb the depths of, we need strength. We need supernatural strength. The ability to comprehend. The word comprehend isn't mere comprehension mentally, but it has to do with apprehension in the original language, meaning we comprehend to apprehend. It's something we could grasp. It's something we could own. It's something we could experience. What good is it if this is just abstract? What good is it if this is just a Bible lesson? What good is this if is just words on a page, no, these words on a page explode with power, with beauty, with goodness, with love, with vast oceans of love. And Paul goes on to describe that God's love, it's almost like a physics lesson. He wants us to know the breadth of his love. What is the breadth? That word is the width. It it has to do with the horizontal power dimension of love. It enables us to love our neighbor because we're called to vertically love God, but love our neighbor horizontally as we love ourselves. And so, this kind of love, the love of God, is not just for us, but it's so we can love our neighbor with his love. We could reflect his love. Again, it's not feelings, it's actions. We could have the feelings of love, and we could have incredible love and compassion and mercy, which is an attribute of love and goodness for other people because of the love that he pours on the inside of us. And so, the breadth of his love enables us to reflect God in this world, to love, to give our life for others. You see this a lot in these days uh, of people putting themselves out for others who are on the front lines, not worrying about their own life and their own safety. Parents do that all the time for their children. Parents will take a bullet for their children. Uh, uh, People will push somebody else out of the way and get hit by a car. This is the breadth of his love. This is the expression, the extent where no greater love is this. Jesus said when he was describing this kind of love that a man should lay down his life for his friends. It's not just time, commitment, and sacrifice. It's the ultimate sacrifice, laying down our life. That's the breadth of his love. What about the length of his love? The length has to do with going from one place to the next, and uh, it's, it has to do with, uh, let's say, if we were running a marathon, the length of the marathon would be 26.5 miles. Length has to do with going from one place to another place in a straight line. And so when it comes to the length of his love, it's referring to the fact that God gives us endurance. Some people are hard to love. Some people are hard to like. Some people we just don't like. But that doesn't mean we don't don't love them. Like and love are different. There are things about people you may not like, but it doesn't mean you don't love them. Your love overcomes what you dislike about them. Your love overcomes the evil they do. Your love overcomes what they say about you. Jesus said to be like our Father in heaven who sends down the rain on the just and the unjust. He says to love your enemies, do good to those who despitefully use you, to pray for those those who don't like you, those who hate you, those who persecute you. That has to do with the length of His love. That means that it's enduring love. It's love that doesn't quit. It's love that perseveres. It's love that never says never. It's a love that never dies. It's a love that is supernatural. It cannot come out of our own capacity. Oftentimes, I just don't have the strength and the bandwidth to continue I can't continue in the ministry. I can't continue with what I have to deal with, with other people. Sometimes I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. Sometimes I wish I could just quit. Sometimes I wish I could just go away. Sometimes I wish I could could go to heaven now. And then I get in God's presence and pray. And within a matter of several minutes, sometimes it might take an hour or two, of waiting on God. He totally changes me. And supernaturally, I have the length of his love. I'm able to endure. I'm able to persevere. I'm able to run that marathon and not quit until I finish the task. What about the height of his love? The height of his love has to do with the source. God lives in his throne in heaven. That's where his manifest presence is. The source doesn't come from us. It comes from him. So the height of his love Reaches all the way to the dwelling place of God. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Our love is not of this world. It doesn't come from this world. It doesn't come from people. It doesn't come from self-improvement books. It doesn't come from technique. It doesn't come from practice. It doesn't come from trying to behave better. It doesn't come from trying to be a better boy or better girl. It comes from above. That's the only place. We could receive the ability to live the way God wants us to live. It's like one time somebody said to me, it's hard to be a Christian. And I said, no, it's not hard. It's impossible. The love that we're talking about is not man-made. It is not hype. It is not just mere emotion. It is supernatural. And God wants you to experience that love. He wants you to go to distance with your marriage, with your children, with your neighbor, and if you feel like you don't have the strength to do it, well, you're in a good place. Now you can depend on God. And then he says, I want you to know the depth of his love. The depth of his love, again, is how deep that love is. It's an abyss. It's so deep, you can't ever find the bottom of this abyss of love. God is a deep being. God is complicated. God is unknown. We have to get to know him. We have to know his ways so we could understand his paths, where he walks. And uh, it's a, a beautiful adventure to get to know this incredibly deep God. But not only do we want to get to know God, God wants to know us. He wants to love us so that we could be known by him. In Psalm 42, it says that deep calls unto deep. Then it says all his waves and water spouts have fallen over us. And so what that is talking about is, yes, God is deep. He's inscrutable. Uh, his ways are past finding out. But, you know, you're very complicated, too. You don't even understand yourself. Your spouse doesn't understand you. Your, your children don't understand you. Uh, your neighbors don't understand you. Your pastor doesn't understand you. And you don't even understand you. You don't even know fully what makes you tick. Isn't that amazing? But guess what? The deepness of God can get into that deepness of your life. And out of his love for you, he doesn't jettison you, push you on the side because of the broken places, because of the woundedness, because you feel like a victim because you've been abused, or because people have taken advantage of you and your heart is broken, or because it's hard to trust, or it's hard to get up, or because you're dealing with anxiety and depression, and you don't even know what you're depressed about. Well, there's a deepness inside of us that when we wait in God's presence, and we allow God to move, that deepness of God's love reaches the inner crevice of our soul, a place that no psychiatrist or psychologist or counselor can meet is somebody that can meet you right where you're at. And that person is God through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying psychology is bad. We need Christians to help us understand and depict the issues that we're dealing with. Help us understand what we're going through but at the end of the day, they can only point us to the love of God if we're going to receive help. And then he says in verse 19, the ultimate goal of knowing the height, depth, length of his love is to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That almost sounds like a contradiction. To know in the original language is experiential knowledge. It's never just intellectual knowledge. So it's saying, I want you to experience by knowledge I want your knowledge, your experiential knowledge, to know the love of Christ, but it says it surpasses knowledge. What does that mean? Well, it can only mean one thing. The more you experience of God, the more you want to experience. The more you experience his love, the more you realize that it's almost like a small little inkwell in a vast ocean. The more you experience of Christ's love, the more you realize how deep it is. And how this knowledge that you get just enabled you to continue in the process of growing in his love. To know experientially the love of Christ that surpasses experiential knowledge. Meaning you could never fully experience God this side of heaven. And then he says the result is that we will be filled with the fullness of God. He meets you wherever you are, so you have all that you need. His nature enables us to walk in his promises. His word enables us to partake of his divine promises, that we could escape the corruption of this world, it tells us in 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. And so by experiencing that love, continually growing in that love, it passes any uh, standard or measurement or ability of love that you have participated in thus far in this world, that's when you're filled with the fullness of the knowledge of God. It's a continual cycle of growing in God's love every day, getting up in the morning, growing in that love, wanting to experience that love. Then he ends this part of Scripture by saying, Now to him who who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think. In other words... You might say, it's impossible for me to plumb the depths of God's love. How am I going to do this? How am I going to grow? I'm a new Christian. I don't know enough about God. Just begin where you're at. Begin reading the Bible. Begin praying. Make sure that there are people in the body of Christ who are pouring into you. He's able to do more than you ask or imagine. And if that's the desire of your heart in the context of this chapter... To know God's love, to know God more, to understand His goodness, to know He's so good that the devil can't accuse God to you anymore, that you'll never doubt God, you'll never question God, you'll never get angry at God again. You'll understand that He's good even in the midst of big challenges. It passes human knowledge, but you could pray and believe God for that. And the other thing this is referring to is to the extent that you know God's love, to that extent, do you have confidence? and faith to believe that what you ask him, he's gonna give you. It doesn't mean, as some people imply, that whatever we dream we could have, that whatever we imagine we could have, that if we imagine or visualize something long enough, it will come to pass, that is almost new age. That is not biblical. He's not saying that here. What he's saying is if you're filled with God's love, you're gonna have faith because you're gonna only desire the things that God wants because you're becoming like God. When you love what God loves, you hate what God hates, and so he could trust you and give you what you are believing for. And Then he ends this glorious passage by saying, to him be glory in the church. The church is where God's love is manifest. The church is the only people on the earth who manifest his love the way he wants. The only people on the earth who manifest his kingdom that is God's realm, that is the expression of his kingdom. The church is the invisible manifestation of the invisible Christ, which is why we're called the body of Christ. And so the way he loved us and died for us, we are now to show glory in the church, in Christ, meaning we reflect Christ throughout all ages, forever and ever. And When it says, throughout all ages, forever and ever, it's also referring to the fact that God's love will never fail. One day, he won't say, I don't love you anymore, or I'm not going to be with you anymore. Jesus said, I will be with you always. I'm the good shepherd. I laid down my life for the sheep. I will be with you always, even to the end. So right now, I want to pray for you. If you're somebody who really needs a touch of God's love today, If you're somebody who's never experienced Jesus Christ in your life, if you're somebody who's trying to get through life with a small little bucket in a shallow well every day, and you want to begin to drink and experience the vast reservoir of his love, the oceans of his goodness, his mercy, and his care over your life, the way a good parent would care for their children. If you want to begin to walk in that way, I want you to pray right now with me. First, I'm going to pray for those who believe. Second, I'm going to pray for those who have not yet found Christ. So, Father, we pray for every believer. God, meet them in their broken places, even as the deepness of God's love meets the deepness of our human soul. Even though we don't know what makes us tick, even though we don't even know ourselves, God, you know us. You made us. You created us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so, Father, we pray that you would meet us And those hidden places, those broken places, even those dark places that we're ashamed of, that we don't want anyone to know about. Even as you said in Romans 5, that the love of God makes us not ashamed, but is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Father, thank you for taking the shame away from people. Thank you, God, that you take the shame away from our past. Through your love, you take our sins away as far as the east is from the west, that we would experience that love that passes knowledge. Wherever you are right now, just put a hand or two up and receive. Receive that love. Be enveloped by his love. He who dwells in the secret place in the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let them rest right now in your shadow. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says God so loved the world. The word so means you can't describe how much love. power pack word, that two-letter word so. He so loved the world, not just a little bit, that he gave his only son. True love is proven by actions, sacrificial actions. And He gave his son so that He could die on the cross, the just for the unjust, so you would not perish and die in your sins. And if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, you believe the Father sent his Son because he loved you and wants you to dwell with him forever, and that Jesus Christ is not dead but is alive, I want you to pray this prayer. It doesn't mean anything because I'm saying it. I'm just trying to help you, guide you in your prayer. So why don't you repeat this? And if you believe what you're saying with your heart, then God is going to answer you. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die in my place. Jesus, thank you for loving me so much you obeyed the Father. And out of that obedience to the Father, you love me. Thank you, Jesus, for being crucified, for being buried, and rising from the dead. Because you're alive, because you rose, you're here right now in my living room, wherever I am, praying this prayer. Jesus, come in my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I speak with my mouth and I believe with my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of that, I'm calling on you so you will forgive my sins and save me. Give me the power to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, there's going to be information on the screen telling you how to get in touch with us. We want to help you. We want to continue to walk with you. Uh, We want to refer you to a good church if you're not near our church. We want to do anything we can to continue praying and walking with you in this new journey. Congratulations for those of you who made a strong decision to follow Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Word. I hope the Word was rich today. I hope the Word of God changed your life and you experienced His love. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.